This is Table Talk 17.5 from the fellas at Late Afternoon Gaming. Tonight, it's the Ombudsman Report, followed by some more self-criticism and conversation about this and that. Check it out if you love being stimulated in every conceivable way. Otherwise, head on over to Session 18. So, I'll, uh, I'll open up with the Ombudsman Report. So, the first thing that I wanted to look into from our last Table Talk was whether Australia is actually the biggest camel exporter. Because we did spend some time discussing it. Well, and, let's clarify. The question is, were they, it was true. were they when so, I played that trivia? Sure. Well, my answer is, the that information was not as easy to come by as I thought it would be, so I didn't... I never ended up finding whether that was the answer. They do have the biggest feral camel population. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... That, that is something, but... Because there's some tricky things with camel exporting, right? If you're in... The Horn of Africa, which is where apparently most of the camels in the world are, exporting to nearby countries is relatively easy. They just have to cross some land border. Exporting camels from Australia is much more difficult because you either have to go by sea or air, and typically they're going pretty far. So there, there's some things going on there. I was about to read some economics paper about how much Australia needs to sell a camel for yeah. in order to turn. And then profit. you realize what you were doing, and, and said, then no. I just decided, you know, what, I'll just say I couldn't find the answer. Yeah, so I don't I don't remember exactly where that trivia question came from, but there was a trivia question about camels and North America, and I remembered answering that question based on like a like I one of the random so I was I was homeschooled growing up and there were a ton of oh, random homeschooled history books. Um and one of them was about camels in North America, and I think that's where that the answer to that question came from. Oh, sure. Why though? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't remember. It's it's a very like, it's a very vague memory from me. Yeah. Like, why, why do you know any of the like, random trivia? You know, I mean, yeah, exactly. Never a good it answer. was it was I'm something from like back in by not knowing much you know, random trivia, third oh, okay. or fourth grade. Yeah, and I just I knew that in New Mexico there were camels because some guy thought it was a good idea to bring camels over from Africa. So, and he was, and he was right. right. And he was right because apparently they were great. Okay, so the next thing was we were talking about BTS, and I said that BTS stood for Burn This Stage, which is something that a friend of mine told me a couple years ago, and I accepted it on faith. Well, it turns out that's wrong. BTS stands for Bangtan Sun Yundan, which is Korean, literally meaning Bulletproof Boy Scouts. I think, so, it, I think it means <laughs> great. <laughs> That's but, awesome. I, I thought it was Bind Torture Slay. Bind Torture Slay, yeah. That was the alternate name. Uh, just depends on which news source you look at. But Yeah. So, uh, anyway. So, I was wrong about that. So, for all the BTS stands out there, there you go. That's the correct answer. Mm. Speaking of BTK, though, Duncan was wondering, <laughs> hey, why did I... This you know, Smash God. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Well, he was saying, why was I thinking BTK was more recent? And you said, you alluded to him making a comeback in the early 2000s. Um, yeah. And that was that was actually really close to what was going on. He did his killings uh, between 1974 and 1991, and then they never found him. Uh, and he had been, like, sending letters and kind of informing local media and police about yeah. it, but they, they never found Zodiac-ing him. Zodiacing it up. Yeah, case went cold, and then... In the early 2000s, uh, 2004, 2005, he started sending letters again, although he didn't hmm. uh, kill anybody again. 
And then that was how they ended up finding him and sending him to jail. So there was like this hiatus of a decade and a half-ish. And then he did come back in the early 2000s. So you were essentially correct in what was going on, which is good for you. Okay, and I I just want to put a pin in an issue now. I'll circle back to it after you're done with the Ombudsman report. But this is a good segue into a topic I want to talk about, which is burnout. When you do too much of something you're passionate about, and then you have to stop for a while. <laughs> yeah, because BTK, if he'd been able to go, he could have accomplished so much. Yeah. You know. <laughs> right. If only. Another rising star who was cut short. Well, it's, it's yeah, not that he was cut short. It's that he, you know, overindulged. It's, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it later. But anyway, th- thank you for the due diligence on, on BTK. I knew I had, I knew there was something there. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you're pretty close. It came up later. He's a serial killer of the uh, of the of the week. Well, that's up to you guys. We can do that after the ombudsman report. Oh, okay. So, uh, Jack asked the question: Which book of the Bible has the bear that kills people? And the answer to that is Second Kings. It's okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll read a portion here from Second Kings two twenty three to twenty five, and this is talking about Elisha. Then he went up from there to Bethel, and as he was going up by the way, young lads came out from the city and mocked him and said to him, Go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. When he looked behind him and saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two female bears came out of the woods and tore up 42 lads (laughs) of their number. (laughs) And he went from there to Mark Carmel, and from there he returned to Samaria. That's my favorite part about that, is how it's just like, then bears came out and killed anyone. Anyway. It's it's because he cursed them in the name of the Lord, so it's just quick justice. I know. So that's that's not my favorite part. My part, my favorite part is the sick burn. Go up, you bald head, um, which I am going to use on somebody, some poor bald person. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, just make sure yeah, you understand yeah, the consequences. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lest the same fate befall you. No, I mean I'll I'll have I'll be somewhere where I'm confident there are no bears. Well, that's where you're in the most danger because your yeah, guard will God down. works in mysterious ways. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Okay, so I didn't really have anything for this session, but what I did want to bring up is something that happened after this session. Uh, Duncan, Jack, and I were all playing Elden Ring, and Duncan pointed out to me... Duncan Jacks? Yeah, I sure did. Duncan pointed out to me that I was ending a lot of sentences in right, like a question. I would just say a sentence and then just end it with right, and I was doing it very, very frequently, and as (laughs) Duncan often does, he pointed out my sort of... (laughs) Yeah, on, on request. I don't just yeah. I don't do that to people habitually. I would say you do I it do. to me habitually in an effort to assist me, and I appreciate it. Um, so what I will say is it drove me fucking crazy all week because one, <laughs> I I listened to the podcast, and of course it, it was the case during that podcast as well. And then throughout the week, I just started paying more attention to it, and I don't know when I started doing that. I think it's fairly recent, but. My goodness, was I doing it a shit ton? And I also started noticing it when other people did it, with less frequently than I was, but still. So I will say that more than anything else over this past week, that comment has helped me to slow down and speak more methodically <laughs> and think before I speak than any of the other previous errors that I've had, like saying um or like too much. So I really appreciate the comment, and with that in mind, go back and listen to last week's session and really get a load of how much I'm saying, right? Because it's it's infuriating. So, thank you. 
Yeah, uh, well, right? You're welcome. But I, I do want to clarify that this is a long-standing thing where I think the two of us have kind of agreed to tell each other about vocal tics. Yes. So that we can fix them. This is not like a... I, I pointed at him after and I said, go up, you bald head. You say right <laughs> all the time. Uh-huh. Well, I remember me and one of my buddies, uh, this is an English class in college, we noticed that every time our English instructor ended a sentence, he would either say right or okay, one of those two. And so before class every day, what we would do is we would each pick one. I, I think I was always right and he was always okay. And we would each count which one he did more and whoever had the highest number That's at the end wins. A good game. <laughs> so... I, I'm definitely aware of those things, and it doesn't make someone a bad person for doing them, but it does make them a worse person for doing them. So I definitely yeah. want to remove them from my speech patterns as much as possible. Although I, I often um, forget to. I went through an instructor training course at one point, and one of the things that we did was uh, we were made to record ourselves while we gave a lecture of some kind, and... The point of the exercise is to reveal to you all of these tics and mannerisms that you have that you're not aware of. Right. And it's funny because no one wants to do that. It's awful. Um, I'm one of those people who hates to hear my own voice. And, you know, of course, when I listen to my own voice on a recording, it sounds different than the way it sounds in my head. And, and I don't like the way it really sounds. And... And that's what I was expecting to be the worst part of watching a video of myself talk. But it wasn't. Awesome. There were some things I knew about, like I was using pause words like um and uh and uh, th th that kind of thing. But what really killed me was I, I had no idea, but I had this like crazy arm that I was gesticulating <laughs> with. Um, okay. And, and it's, it, you, you, I watched the video and I was like, holy shit, what the fuck am I doing? That looks crazy. And, but I had never noticed it before. And, and I, I'm not even convinced that I would have, it would have stood out to me that much, except we had spent the last several days talking about, talking about and naming different common ticks. Uh, like hand washing where people put their hands together and kind of rub them around or uh, there are people that hold on to the podium like it's going to take off and they need to like be attached <laughs> to it before right. it you know there are all these weird moves um, yeah so so anyway I, I it is an awkward and and humiliating thing to do yourself but I highly recommend to anyone who's trying to get more comfortable being in front of people or speaking to do that uh, because it, that is very much one of the one of those things where the only way you can get better at it or more comfortable is to just do it to like throw yourself into the deep end and get used to it but like holy shit I did not expect some of the stuff I saw myself doing yeah. and now I think my worst my worst vocal tick is uh, not not thinking sentences through fully and pausing in the middle of them. And so I have this, I, I don't even know what you would call it, like the cadence of my speech can be a little odd. It's worse when I'm DMing because I'm constantly improvising. But uh, I will I, say I, I one know, of the I, things that really helps with that is when the way, excuse me, the way I do the podcast, because I truncate all the silence, whenever you've got long pauses, they just disappear. So the audience is not subjected to anything like that. Because you're not the only one who does that. All of us have 
it's pretty significant pauses a lot of times, especially when we're sure. playing in character. So and I think that, like I said, I think that's particularly, particularly typical doesn't make a lot of sense. But I think that is normal when you're you're speaking about something that you are making up on the fly instead of right responding to like a query with knowledge you already have that kind of thing. But you know, it's it's I, interesting you say I that. It. One time I remember, I think it was in high school. There was someone giving some kind of presentation, some adult who had come into, who knows what it was about, but he had a pretty significant stutter, Mm. um, which I thought, it it was sort of distracting at times because it wasn't just an occasional, uh, 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 and then he can say a full sentence. It was every couple words, he would have to take a second or two to do this, which is pretty crippling and I felt bad for him. But what I thought was really interesting was he would break out of that whenever he was listing in rapid succession things that he didn't have to really think about. So, as an example, if he's talking about, let's say he was listing all of his siblings, he might go, and then I, 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 I was talking to 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 to, to my, my my siblings, you know, Jeff and Jill and Benny and Roger and blah, and he would be able to very seamlessly go through that list rapidly, and then when he's done with that, he would go back to having a very hard time getting the words out. Yeah. And uh, I don't know that that necessarily bears any significance to our current conversation, but verbal tics and speaking is very, I don't know, it's, there's a lot of things going on there, and I think it can be very hard to improve. But I do think, to your point earlier, listening to yourself speak, watching yourself conduct yourself in front of a crowd or whatever can be very enlightening and very embarrassing. And uh, but I, I think it's a very valuable experience. I will say that I have gotten to like the sound of my voice a lot better because I listen to my voice now a ton over the past however long we've been doing this thing. Because I also edit all of them, I spend a lot, a lot, a lot of time listening to my own voice, and yeah. it, it no longer bothers me like it used to when I was younger. Now it's just no, I, it's it's just the, the other same way for that me. I sound. Um, I mean, I, I obviously listen to it less than you do because I'm not doing the editing, but I'm no longer uncomfortable hearing myself. Now, part of that is also because I speak, I guess, more deliberately. Like, I speak in a lower, more comfortable register now, deliberately. Whereas, when I was younger, I... I don't, I don't even know really what the difference was, but I I wasn't pitching my voice properly, if that makes sense. Um, you mean, like, I, just I, to... I, I don't know. You were all over the place or you were just monotone no it wasn't even that i was monotone i i just i for whatever reason i didn't speak as confidently like i wasn't quite as loud and it, it was kind of coming from the throat and not from the diaphragm i find okay, that i do I that a lot when i'm telling stories is i start speaking from the throat instead of speaking from the chest and so i'll be i'll be telling the story and then I'll, and then my voice kind of gets like this <laughs> it's oh, very frustrating so. when i notice that it happens Right, which is often, yeah. So that 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 kind of thing has has gone a long way to making me more comfortable. Um, but I also I for a, a while I had a job. I went into a job. I'm not phrasing this well. I was initially uncomfortable speaking in public, not with small groups or anything like that, but uh, getting in front of a group of people and being the center of attention what made me uncomfortable. And, uh, and to, to compound that, for whatever reason, I just blush easily. Like when I'm, uh, I used to have that problem too, really bad, especially in like high school. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, it's not necessarily 
me being embarrassed or feeling bad or anything. It's kind of just an adrenaline thing for me. Um, yeah, I would I find it was turn, just a turn reaction easily. that I couldn't control where I wouldn't be yes. embarrassed, but then my blushing would make me embarrassed. Yes, yeah, exactly. And, and so I, I, I wound up in this situation where I had a job where I was going to have to talk in front of people a lot for like hours at a time. And I uh, was like, holy shit, well, I'm, I'm, this is either going to be absolutely miserable or I'm going to get over this problem. And I got over the problem. You know, it, it didn't didn't take long for me yeah, to exact calm same down. thing happened to me. Yeah, I I used to have that problem as well. I I also got over it, but it was like I I had the same thing with blushing, or had rather. And the first couple of times I did presentations, it ended up in this terrible loop of I started blushing just because I'm presenting, and then I thought, oh no. People must think I'm embarrassed. How embarrassing. Right, right. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Blush more yeah. is worse. Yeah. I was very fortunate that through my co- uh, college education, I, that was beat out of me very, very quickly because I had to do presentations all the time and in front of yeah. relatively large groups of people. So much like you just said, Duncan, I, I trained it out of myself very, very quickly. And now it's, it's not something that I notice or think about because i knew in my head the whole time even in high school that people if they care about what you're saying they're probably not you know super critically analyzing whether you're blushing or that kind of thing then they probably don't care and then there's a lot of people in the room who aren't paying attention to what you're doing period true it it, like it really just doesn't matter but you can just get in your own head about it confidence has a lot to do with it i mean even though it wasn't an embarrassment thing to begin with but i i think that's a that's a big part of the shift for me is when I was younger I kind of lived on the back foot like if I if I was criticized for example my first reaction would have been like oh my god is that true like is that a legitimate criticism yeah I would have not immediately discounted it now if I'm in front of a group of people and you know someone in the audience says something that I, I don't think is right like my first my first thought isn't Oh my god, I'm all fucked up. It's fuck you. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's a very very different. You know, I'm in charge. Um, kind of mentality. I, I I don't immediately default to like I'm wrong. I I would say I, I have a different approach because I would say that my initial reaction would have been more the same. Now it's I just don't care as much about being wrong. I just don't find it very embarrassing. That's so. that's fair too, and I I. I sympathize with that but I, I i i didn't i guess mean for that to sound as aggressive as i as it did did sound but i i think you know what i'm saying it's i i i am much more confident in my current position almost no matter what it is um and that confidence doesn't necessarily mean i'm certain i'm right it just means i you know i'm likely right but if i'm wrong it's not a big deal it doesn't you know i'm not I, Nothing's in I'm right here. I'm right there with her, with Duncan, and and we had a, I think a similar experience. And I, I know I became definitely much more like, okay, I'm I'm not just gonna assume someone's right for challenging what I what I was thinking. It's right. it's more okay. You're gonna have to actually prove why you think what you think before I'm gonna shift from my position. Well, I think part of it for me, too, is also making it clear how confident I am in my position. And I, I base that on you know, how <laughs> how much I think it's actually correct. So if I'm talking about something and I'm I'm not super sure about it, I'll 
say that up front. And then if someone tells me I'm wrong, okay. I mean, I told you I wasn't sure about it. So yeah. I've got no reason to be embarrassed. And so for the things that I am confident on, I've got a really good reason for that. So similar to what you just said, you got to kind of step up and demonstrate to me that I'm wrong because I've got really credible evidence to say that I'm not. There's yeah, a so I'm thinking I'm saying is I, I just have credible evidence on everything. No? Oh, that's awesome. Oh. <laughs> that's true. All those, all those history books about camels. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> After so many camel books, you just you pick up on things, you know? What you guys need to understand, though, is Nerf is extremely selective on what he will talk to people about, and he only gives presentations on camels. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, subject on, on which he knows he can't be beaten. Yeah. You gotta know what your competitive advantage is. Exactly. Like, yeah, exploit it to the maximum possible. Yeah. Okay. It's gains no. from trade. Real but quick. It, it's funny. There's a... Yeah. Like... Get fucked, Shepard. <laughs> oh, no. Go ahead. No, you go. No, you what go. I mean, you interrupted me, so fuck you. No, Shepard, That's how go. confident I am. Okay, so for our podcast statistics, what I want to say is nobody's listening to our show anymore. <laughs> so... We had Whatever. we had a couple periods where we would get like 30 downloads, 40, 50, somewhere around that a week. And I got really excited about it. I was like, oh, cool. We're like picking up Steam somehow. I don't know how. Well, we mm. lost all of it. So now for the past the past five things we've released, so or the last five things I can see, which is three sessions and two table talks, uh, we've got a range of four to seven downloads on each of them total. So Okay. So here's my question. The numbers. Is there, well, are we currently doing anything to, I guess, boost the visibility of the podcast? Like before, I know it, it, it unless you searched the exact name of the podcast, you weren't going to find it. Correct. So I do have search tags on every episode, mm. but uh, I mean, that's pretty much it. I, I, I haven't really looked into ways to promote it. I there's probably something on Simplecast where I can pay them like five bucks and they sure. <laughs> like they you can boost, boost it, it or something like Tinder style. Yeah, something like that. You could boost on Tinder, right? I, I think I, so. I, I, I I'm actually not sure. Well, there's a ordinary things has a good video on the economics of Tinder that mm. talks about some of that stuff. Uh, Jack, go ahead and throw that in the uh, link dump. You got it. But. Yeah, there's things you can do like that that will promote you to, uh, you know, being seen more often or more frequently right. or, you know, whatever. And the uh, there's also, they had added some feature. I got this from that same video I just referenced. They added some feature where you could talk to someone before they matched you, which is the kind of strange because it's like the whole point is that you don't talk to someone unless they match you. Yeah, it's kind of weird. That's kind of yeah. creepy. It's yeah, like, exactly. Hey, we haven't matched, but... Here's the thing. You know that I the people who are using that are not the desirables. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, so, because the people who the people who would use that are the ones who are otherwise going to have a hard time talking to people. If you're a, if you're someone whose profile is very marketable, people will want to talk to you anyway, so you don't need to use it. Right, but if, if you're very marketable, are you the one paying for the premium features? Well, that's what I'm saying. To. So, but yeah. what I'm saying is, so if someone is using that feature on you, you can pretty much automatically assume that they are not someone uh, that that you I, want. I see what you're saying. So yeah. it's almost counterproductive in some ways. I, well, I wonder. I, I I don't know a lot about dating apps. I'm curious about them. I am bi curious. I'm bi curious. Um, but no. So so Tinder, right? You both people have to swipe 
before you can message, and I guess in uh, barring this feature we just discussed. Right. Generally speaking, yes. Is is that is that generally how like is that how all apps work or how all dating apps work? I I think one of them, Hinge or Bumble, is. I thought similar, but the the woman has to reach out first. That's how Bumble works. I'm told I've never used okay. it, but it's yeah, you match, and then the woman is the one who has to message first. Which, frankly, I think is a great idea. Sure. Yeah, I, I would be uh, I would be very curious to see stats on how that shakes out. Yeah, I mean, I've got two friends who recently got married. Who that's how they met on Bumble. Uh, I mean, I not that that really means anything, but I mean, people do find successful relationships on a lot of these apps. Well, I mean, someone I think who got is... married with a someone they found on one of those apps. Um, yeah. I can say it worked for me, but I, I think it was probably more of a fluke. Mm. Yeah. I mean, at, at the end of the day, <laughs> like, a lot of these, it's just another way to meet people, right? It's yeah, not exactly. like, it's yep. not like you sign up to get married on the app. This is just a way to, instead of meeting at the bookstore or meeting at work or whatever you meet, through this other network and then from there you're just dating like normal people i'm curious to see if given that millennials and gen zers or zoomers i should say are like so fickle when it comes to employment they go from they move from job to job more frequently than previous generations i wonder if dating in the workplace will become more acceptable because of the transient Uh nature you mean right that is interesting yeah maybe is is workplace dating generally that not accepted? Yes. Uh, yes, it is not accepted at all in so most many, workplaces. So many places oh. have explicit policies banning it. Uh, or, or softer policies that say you can do it, but it has to be like formally declared so your you know your bosses can separate you, that kind of stuff. Yeah, from a, like even there there's some discussion of like it. Can can companies really regulate like you, their employees' ability to have relationships? That shouldn't be legal, but it doesn't really matter because the company can just fire you for pretty much whatever. Right. And be like, listen, if you do this, you're potentially destabilizing the entire environment. We're not going to let it happen. Yeah. And uh, and then there's very very explicit rules for um, dating up and down the power structure. Yeah, because that's that's how it is in my organization. I mean, there's some rules, but generally the big one is as long as you're not dating someone who's in like your supervisory chain, you know, Mm -hmm. up up or down, then generally speaking, it's pretty okay. Yeah, a friend of mine was dating somebody from uh, like they both work in the same place, and the only reason that it's even a little bit okay is because they're in different departments. Right. But even then, it's one of those like you don't discuss this at work because if the wrong person hears about it they might make a stink about it yeah yeah but, but if I, the it girl is dating the janitor like who gives a shit a, a lot of people doesn't make sense but a lot of people right but I, I think to to both of your points if it's not causing problems cases like that in my limited experience are, are generally ignored um, yeah the policy's there so that they can enforce it when needed but yeah just because that's the reason it's there doesn't mean that people aren't going to get mad because it's the policy and they that's as far as they think. Mm-hmm. Sure. But both because of you know what I mentioned earlier with people just changing jobs more often and with things like COVID where work may be one of the few places people regularly see people their own age in person um, and kind of a general culture where 
it's it's less and less appropriate to just approach strangers and try to get their phone number or ask them on a date. I bet we see workplace romance numbers increase. Yeah, it's an interesting theory. I think you might be right. <laughs> I don't have a job, so my, my, my odds aren't great. Right. And well, the I'm podcast sure. isn't pulling in enough money. So. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a six-foot-tall Joe Rogan-esque. Well, did you ever get that Quizinart brand deal? No, it fell through. Or maybe they sent oh, me an email I never bad. checked. One or the other. Oh, that sounds like That's your beautiful. Ball. We should get a Quizinart brand deal. You recall my idea was to have blenders playing next to our microphones as we did the sessions. Mm. Oh, here's my but problem. It's like a Rolex deal. I keep forgetting which browser I have the uh, the late afternoon one. I have my... <laughs> so I actually haven't checked that email in a very, very long time. Let me check it right now. Because for ease of use, what I do is I just have a different browser for <laughs> each Gmail account that I have, so I don't that have to log in. Sounds like a really, really good uh, system. Hey, maybe that's why we don't have any listeners is because they all emailed us and <laughs> we never responded. We were just like, fuck you. Yeah. How dare you listen to our podcast that we, you know, public. Uh, there's no emails on it. It's <laughs> <laughs> not that there's none. I've got 10, but it's like Google privacy. Uh, <laughs> well, go ahead and read. Oh. Yeah. Well, this, yeah, this one's not in a a language that we speak, so I, it might be a little trouble. What's the email again? The email is lateafternoongaming at gmail.com. Wow. Lateafternoongaming at gmail.com. That's, That's right. Lateafternoongaming at gmail.com. J-A-U-M-L. So yeah, just, you know, shoot us a message. I, I'll check it from time to time. I don't open the Reddit either <laughs> until I'm doing, I'm preparing for the ombudsman report. I'm like, oh, I wonder if anyone posts anything on the Reddit. Hey, an answer, <laughs> nobody did. Yeah. I think we need to make it one of the pill subreddits. Oh, oh lag good. pill? Yeah. Lag pill. Yeah. You know, those do get a lot of traffic. It's not always from people who seem like they want to be there, but they sure do love talking about how they don't want to be there. Yeah, what we need to do is change the name to, like, a misspelling of something else, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're movie filk instead of movie phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so we need to be like, get there on hub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there we go. That's a good one. You know, so, every time, every week, I think, man, I should really, throughout the week, jot some things down that I want to discuss during table talk. <laughs> Never done it. Well, well, I thought you were about to say, and this time I did. And this no. time I did. Let's get started. I have a list of 20 discussion oh, wow. points. No, yeah. well, you still haven't said who the serial killer of the week is. Oh, yeah. Can you guys vamp for a minute? I'm going to do a little bit of quick research. Yeah, Queen. Because I, I, I want to hit you with someone unexpected. Is this when you're going to reveal that Jack has been a serial killer this whole time? Oh I was, my I don't know God. it's... Does he, does he count as a serial killer, Jim Jones? I don't even know who that I is. I don't think so. The, no, the Jonestown massacre. He didn't murder them. I mean, did yeah, they kill yeah. themselves? It was all assisted suicide, I guess. He was just a cult leader. Oh, was I mean, he it wasn't, Heaven's it Gate wasn't all assisted suicide. Uh, he, no, no, no. He's not Heaven's Gate. He was no. Jonestown. Was it yeah. Jonestown, the the town that got destroyed by the the dam giving? No, that's Roanoke. I'm kidding. It's not Roanoke. That's not no. Roanoke. <laughs> Jonestown is the I was just town gonna have, where the, I was keep asking questions, giving wrong answers. The FBI mm-hmm. came in and wiped everybody out because they were promoting communism. But yeah, yeah, no. Look, oh, Jonestown. Oh, no, no, no. That's Innsmouth. I'm I'm huh? thinking of Jonestown. Oh. Uh, mm. Hmm. 
Mm. That's all I got. Why are all mm. these serial killers American? <laughs> That's what we should be looking at. It's like, all right, what about like German serial killers? But those guys are crazy. Where is it? I think it's in China where, or it might be Japan, where people will like run into like a school and stab a bunch of kids with a knife because they don't have guns. Yeah. Those are, are the say? real serial killers, man. Like those guys, they just have to have passion, you know? Yeah, what, the ones who don't have guns? Yeah. Well, BTK didn't use guns. I mean, because he had passion. Well, I, I guess, yeah, yeah but, to your point. But well, BTG he did. Well, did. his passion kind of fell off in the in the middle there, as we discussed. Yeah. Is that, yeah, yeah. Is that what BTG did? Because he so much more. he took a break. Yeah, because of the burnout. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. List of serial killers in the United States on Wikipedia just gave credence to all of Criminal Minds bullshit. Apparently, there are, like, thousands of them. Well, it depends on what's their definition of serial killer. Uh, well, we'll find out. They probably include spree killers. Yeah. Um, it says, the FBI defines serial murder as, quote, a series of two or more murders committed as separate events, usually, but not always, by one offender acting alone. So it looks like these are not spree-type people. So mm-hmm. if you... Because I think serial killer... I, I would imagine that if you polled... 100 people family feud style and ask them what's the minimum number of kills you have to get before you're called a serial killer i think their number would probably be higher than two uh yeah i would say at least four so on the wikipedia page the minimum number of proven victims is zero so i i think that's probably not super reliable yeah so we could all be serial killers right by that definition no one's proved that i've killed anyone Uh, yeah i'm gonna edit that page to put myself (laughs) on there yeah there you go so, so I suspect that a lot of those, if you read every single one and charted how many people they killed and then polled a bunch of people on the details, I bet a lot of people, the way we commonly use the term would not define those same people as serial killers. So that number, the number of things on that list might be a little misleading based on the way we talk about these kinds of things. Well, and okay. So I'm, I'm just, just pulling one person off this list. Proven victims are one. Possible victims are 50 plus. I Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm going with Lawrence Bittaker and Roy Norris, a.k.a. the Toolbox Killers. You gotta have a cool name. That, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're, we're only gonna use serial killers that have, uh, like, a cool also name given the by the press. These guys are terrifying. <laughs> I remember reading about the Toolbox Killers because there's a... They taped, um, like, the, the, the torture and the killing that they did. I think it's just audio recordings. But they're fucking terrifying, and I guess they, if you want to be an FBI special agent, you have to... They make you sit through at least some of it, and it really fucks a lot of people up. Wow. Um, I know... Back to Jim Jones. There's an audio recording of the... Uh, I think he called it the White Knight. Um, like, the, the event where they... Yeah, I wouldn't recommend listening to it. Yeah, they're Jack, called the Death Tapes. that for us. They're, they're <laughs> called the Death Tapes. They're on Wikipedia. I recommend everyone listen to them. It's, it's Jim Jones talking, being weird, while a bunch of people drink this poison flavor aid and they start moaning while they die. Cool. Oh, wow. I just connected. Jim's, Jim Jones was involved with Jonestown. Yeah. That's correct. <laughs> I don't think Wikipedia has the toolbox or the, the uh, yeah, I don't think they have the toolbox tapes. It, it, they do not. Which I would not want to listen to. They sound horrifying. Oh, man. Joseph Gordon Levitt is gonna play somebody in a movie about Jonestown. Mm. All right, so toolbox killers. 
Toolbox where, killers, yeah. Where do they fall on the leaderboard? Killers. On the well, you know, I don't want to glorify what they did. It's horrifying, you know. And uh, maybe that's the uh, the downside to promoting a serial killer of the week is, although interesting, and I'm morbidly fascinated in reading these Wikipedia articles. Uh, it's really sad and disturbing. Well, this was your idea, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I just because it's clearly a mistake doesn't mean I'm not committed to it. Uh, that's good to hear. Yeah. That's leadership right there. Right. I made a decision. I know I can't change yeah, my I'm mind. I'm too embarrassed because to back down respect now. my authority anymore. It'll make me look like a flip-flopper. So, so I'm going to hold gonna stay fast the course. to this until I die. Right. Yeah. yeah, we're we're doing this every week. Podcast. I don't want to be podcast, the kind of guy no who changes my mind over time. I don't want to be the kind of guy who updates based on evidence. I don't make progress. I stand my ground. I don't grow or change. I'm dependable. Good. I, I'm voting <laughs> yeah. him in for twenty consecutive terms. <laughs> so, as a group that uses D and D Beyond, what do y'all think about the recent purchase of D and D Beyond by? Wizards of the Coast. Right, I heard about this. I did. Uh, I, I don't know how much it's really going to matter because D&D Beyond, at least as far as I could tell, was mostly just used as a way to buy Wizard of the Coast's products. So, Yeah, it's just uh, like an organizational <laughs> method for the things that they were already doing, so, okay. I guess the only, the only potential downside that I can think of, we've discussed in the past that Wizard of the Coast is... <laughs> they're becoming somewhat woke and I don't know if they're going to start like monitoring shit on the site and, and slapping it down but I feel like anything in our sessions or anyone's sessions that's going on that would be objectionable isn't going to be on the site it would just be in the session and there's no way that they would know they would be able to monitor that but yeah, my... I, I think that tr- yeah go ahead oh, I... okay my concern, I may have voiced this before on the podcast, but it was already a problem with the, the D&D Beyond model. And that's, while I really, really like the way the digital references are set up, they're easy to search and, and more usable than a, a PDF, they change shit. Uh, like when they decide something kind of old was offensive, they update it in a way that does not allow you to access the older version, even though it's something that you bought. And that's what concerns me is that the the acquisition by Wizards of the Coast, or I guess it's Hasbro. Hasbro bought it, but Hasbro also owns Wizards of the Coast. Um, you know that that is just going to accelerate, which is why I want a PDF. When I buy a, a book, I want a PDF. Of it. You know, PDF stands for pedophile, don't you? Oh, my yeah. PDF stands God. for Democrat. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, snap. From from a foundry from a foundry perspective, we've definitely benefited from how loose D and D Beyond is with people accessing their stuff. So, um, you know, like one of one of the initial objectives with D and D Beyond was to develop like an, an API that would allow third party virtual tabletops to access information from D and D Beyond, which dropped off their development radar. Like, like maybe a, a couple years ago um, but it was still either through um, you know we use Foundry and there's a, a module that imports data from D&D Beyond and even using Roll20 there's um, there's third party developers who have developed ways to 
import information from D&D Beyond into World 20. And I, 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 I don't know. One of the interesting things I'm concerned about is with Hasbro taking over, like, are those avenues going to still be available? Or is that something they're going to be trying to shut down now that, uh, you know, they're more directly involved with D&D Beyond? I, I, I don't think it would be a huge shift for us, but I, I mean, it would definitely make annoying some of what we try to do i think that if, it, it wouldn't really be to their benefit connection. to do so until they come out with their own foundry or roll 20 type platform because like your ability to use the assets from them in other programs it's not like you're unless you're talking about well no no, no. i mean you're not like taking any money from them doing that right so why would they do it so I, I I think that's I think that's the the point um, is that if if Hasbro is not interested in making their own VTT, then it probably really doesn't matter who owns D and D Beyond. Right, that's what I'm but, saying. So until they do something where now it, it cuts their bottom line for you to take the stuff that you've bought from them and then import it into something else for you to use, like the yeah. their stuff is is kind of not super useful if you can't do that in the absence yeah. of their own proprietary virtual tabletop but i mean this was that was a direction DD beyond was already leaning towards right but you said they developing stopped. their own their own virtual tabletop um which which i mean they they it's not that they had they stopped but they hadn't gone completely towards sure um, well, i mean they, they hadn't made development towards right but they so i mean you can't use it and, now so that would mean that it's they would make their product less useful and people wouldn't use it as much. So just another note to throw out there. Part of the, one of the weird things we see or seem to see when, when companies get more woke is they like, once they become ideological, they do not make profit driven decisions. Well, sure. But this, this, I would say that this wouldn't, this has no intersection with that unless, unless they think that roll 20 or foundry or whatever as ideologically opposed to them, then I don't know that that. Uh, while I think you're correct, I don't know that that facet of decision making has anything to do with this particular set of problems. I, I guess what I'm saying is, if the if the organization that's really into policing content is now in charge of the repository of the content, I can see issues arising there. Okay, yeah, I I don't know that I really see the connection. I mean, you you have to be, have a pretty big brain. Well, there you go. That could be the problem. But I, uh, I recommend everybody buy physical so. books because they can't be updated. I love buying physical books. I love the smell of them. I like the taste. I wish... You know what they ought to do? Or not what they ought to do. What I wish they would do is make it so that when you bought a, a new copy of, uh, you know, one of the source books or a module or something like that, they gave you a code, like Pearson style, that you could use to also obtain it in D&D Beyond. So, I mean, that's that may be one of the benefits. Um, I mean, that that's something that's possible now that wasn't before when... Um, well, I guess that wasn't before, but that was unlikely before yeah. when, when D&D Beyond was on separately. So now that's a lot simpler. Um, I mean, because that's something that you know, if you if you play Traveler, Mongoose does that. If you go buy one of the Traveler books from a brick and mortar store, you just have to send a PDF, co- you know, take a picture and send your receipt, and Mongoose will give you a P- 
PDF copy. Same thing with Chaosium and Call of Cthulhu. And there's yeah. there's a bunch of other publishers that do it. Um, so I, I don't, maybe we'll see D&D start to do something similar um, with D&D Beyond. I don't know. We'll see. Well, let's do inspiration and then move into the session. We've been going for a little bit on this. Uh, I mean, mm. okay, I, I guess yeah, the, now the session last time was only about 30 seconds long, so there, there might not yeah, be we too didn't much do going on. Much. Well, here's the thing, though. You need to base your inspiration on the last villain session. Oh, the last villain session. That, now, that was an so action-packed geez. episode. That was. Um, I, I mean, if we're going off the last a- villain session, it's got to be... Was that the session when Shepard uh, took over the security... Yeah, um, I became the captain of the town guard. Yeah, I, I feel like it's yeah. got to go to Shepard for that, right? I'm, I'm in the same boat. His, that was really good. Yeah, his his charismatic charismatic takeover of the uh, <laughs> security force of pretty flawless. Uh, I will say. It was. I mean, it was beautiful. Yeah, uh, I think the I think the funniest moment in the session for me was when at the end, after we had ridden out of Velaki to the north, we're hanging out by the lake. Um, the the dumb little treasure tra- or treasure chest trap <laughs> was pretty funny, uh, and I I did enjoy Nerf how you you just you were going head first into it and you're yeah you know a couple more feet no problem, but the next best thing was when we talked to Strahd afterwards and <laughs> we had done like I would say a pretty fantastic job achieving our objective, and when we mentioned that to him he was like yeah you know it's all right like he just like totally didn't care I really enjoyed that I thought that was very funny. I, I thought it was very character building for Strahd as you realize, I mean, he's probably seen something similar happen several times before. And he's like, right. well, We're, I mean, that was cool. It's novel and new to us, but to him, he's like, yeah, yeah okay, I guess. Yeah, I've that, seen I mean, it it's like, that was cool, but that wasn't as cool as when those other guys took out Velaki, you know, a couple hundred years before. Yeah. Right, yeah. Alright, well, sounds like it's two votes for me, one vote for Nerf. Yeah, boy. Alright. I mean, what well, is, uh, what's Duncan's vote for? I, mean, I think we should start giving Straw the inspiration so that he can use it against <laughs> the main party when we get to the final fight. That's he just gets more legendary actions. Yeah. That would be, oh man, that would be great. The final battle, he has like 12 legendary actions. He's got like six arms and two heads. In every class. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually a second Straw that shows up by then. <laughs> yeah. A younger, cooler Straw. Yeah. More hip and more woke, because that's what we do. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be, <laughs> that's a campaign right there. Yeah, Oak there Strahd. we go. All right. Well, so, all right, you can, you can, you can take that idea, Duncan. <laughs> yeah, he, he, may have had, he may have had a heart attack. Yeah, he had a stroke No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm getting work text right now. Mm. Oh, snap. But it's the weekend. Speaking of heart attack, did you? this is a while ago now, but the, the Demi Lovato thing um demi lovato had a heart attack she has a no, song called heart attack. she had a song called heart attack which is why it reminded me of her but she it's a, it's a great song she seems like she's kind of gone off the weekend uh, the the deep end i should say because yeah. there, there was an article about her like singing to ghosts to help them relieve their trauma okay but i <laughs> oh no demi that's not weird Hey, did I tell you guys that I really, my dream for us, at least in retirement, is to do our own Ghost Hunters show? <laughs> yeah, I saw a ghost. Uh-huh. But be, like, really rigorous about it. Uh-huh. Well, I had sent you, Duncan, I think, a link before to the Jenny uh, Nicholson video where she talks about the Ghost Hunter show where there's a big portion of it where there's, like, a home inspector who comes in and 
basically just debunks all of the ghosts. Yeah, things yeah, I really as, like that as one. part of the show. Where you say, "Oh, this door is just installed improperly, so it'll just swing a lot." You know that you can fix that really quickly. And oh, there seems to be like there's a, you know, I, I did an air test, and there, there's a little carbon monoxide here, so you know that might make people a little lightheaded. You know, <laughs> and so he basically just goes through every time and has a great explanation for everything, and then they just ignore everything he said and continue with the show. Um, mm. I, you know, now that now that you remind me of her, I. I really like the couple of videos of hers that I watched, but I just kind of forgot about her. Yeah, now she had some some funny things. I don't remember how I found her. I think it's because I was watching the like a red letter media review of um, one of the new Star Wars movies, and then she had one as well, and I was mm. just seeing what other people had to say. I wonder. I mean, I think uh, go ahead and link to Red Letter Media, the greatest YouTube mm. channel to ever exist. But she had similar content to like. Lindsay Ellis, but I think Lindsay Ellis is gone now. Yeah, I actually, I watched a video on what happened to Lindsay Ellis, um, and it was, if we're talking about woke stuff, it was something along <laughs> the lines of, basically, you know, it, it was one of those, you know, the the woke eating itself kind of thing, where oh, okay. she had, and I, I'm probably getting some of this wrong, but she had, like, called someone out for something, and then someone found something that she did that was also bad, and then she ended up leaving the whole scene because... Uh, she found the whole experience of being cancelled to be very traumatic, but had been somewhat involved in the cancelling of someone else. Something uh, along those lines. Yeah. Because she had some I really mean, good stuff, too. Yeah, I guess I... I want to say I watched a fair amount of her content, but I, I guess I somehow missed that she was, like, particularly woke, or... I, I, I don't know. Oh, oh, so she she compared Rhea and The Last Dragon to Avatar The Last Airbender. What is that? Which was completely racist and uh, of course she got cancelled immediately mm. as she should Which because those are two important um, very different IPs that I'm familiar with what was the first one? <laughs> the Last Dragon R- yeah Rhea Rhea and the Last Dragon I don't know oh, not what does that have to do with Blue Eyes White Dragon? <laughs> Baby Dragon those, those I, I think you mean Blue Eyes Ultimate Dragon Time right? Wizard I think I mean Red Eyes Black Dragon. Oh, snap. Red Eyes Black Dragon. Wow. Isn't that... That's the cooler Daniel version of... No, that's the shitty version. Except it's worse. Yeah, it's got got 600 less attack power. That's right. Uh, I put one card face down in defense mode and into my What about the... Oh, Oh, it's a trap card. You've activated my trap card. (laughs) There it is. What a great show. What a great show. Dude, I... So, shout out to um, Yu-Gi-Oh! Abridged. If you've oh. never watched it, go go watch it. Oh, I gotta YouTube check it right out. Now. I was a big Dragon yeah. Ball Z Abridged fan 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. YouTube Abridged is so much better. It's it's so much better. Because Yu-Gi-Oh! YouTube has Abridged so much or more... Yu-Gi-Oh! Abridged? Yu-Gi-Oh! Yu-Gi-Oh! Abridged. Yu-Gi-Oh! Abridged. Yu-Gi-Oh! just has so much more stuff to poke fun of than Dragon Ball Z does. Uh, not saying Dragon Ball Z I, I, like I I <laughs> not saying that Dragon Ball Z doesn't have funny things to poke fun at, but but Yu-Gi-Oh just has so much more. I'll so, check it out. It's in the link down. <laughs>